Slow it down. It's the end of that song. <laughs> Thought I'd finish it for you. Because that's been the whole focus of our series called Pause, is to try to slow it down over this Christmas season. Try to pause. When our kids were younger, and even uh, at times to this day, we would play the game, I spy with my little eye. You ever play that game with your kids and, and that, and you're on a trip or whatever, and you're trying to uh, help them figure out what to do, and you do it in the car or things outside or uh, around the home. But around Christmas time, when we have the tree up and everything, it's, it's fun to turn off all the lights, turn everything off, and just sit in front of the tree all together on the futon and to play I spy with my little eye. And somebody goes and they say, I spy with my little eye something red, which you know, makes it real easy, right? You know, a lot of red or green, you know, and that. And you go through it. Is it this ornament? Is that little thing? Or is it the mitten on the Santa or whatever it might be? And, but the, the beauty of that time is that you are together and you're, you're quiet you're not running around making dinner. You're not uh, hustling to wrap presents. You're not running to the store the last minute. You're just together. You're there. You're quiet. And it's a time where you pause. You pause. And you're more still. And through this series, we've been focusing on the word pause, which literally means temporary stop in action or speech. And this whole idea from Psalm 46.10 where God invites us to be still and know that he is God. Catch a breath. Have some margin in your life. Stop striving. And so through this series, we have been encouraging ourselves to pause, to take time out to reflect on what Christmas truly is all about. And we talked about the importance of that on week one, because Christmas is the number one holiday during the whole year, but it's also the number one most stressful holiday of the year, and the importance for us to pause, to catch a breath, to have some margin, how critical it is. And we talked about the second week of pausing through listening. How often do we stop talking, or do we put even our brain in park and how often do we sit before Jesus and say, speak, Lord, for I'm listening? And then we don't say anything and allow him to remind us of his love for us, remind us of his mercy for us, remind us that he is for us, not against us, remind us that he is with us wherever we go, and to allow him to soak us in his love. The following week after, we looked at the whole idea of pause through confession on how often it's one of the least things we practice out of the Lord's Prayer is forgive my sin as I forgive others and how critical it is because we pile up these sins in our lives, this guilt, this shame, these failures, disappointments, and we forget that we can come before him daily and pause through confession and drop it at the foot of the cross daily. 
and he invites us to do that. How often do we pause and actually take an account of maybe what is wrong with our life and give it over to Jesus and say, hey, make it right, Lord, make it right. And last week, Pastor John talked about pause through prayer and this whole idea of throughout our day to pray without ceasing, throughout our day to take moments to step aside and to pause and to pray, to get your mind back to where it needs to be or your actions maybe back to where it needs to be or to invite Jesus into the next meeting you're going to have because maybe it's going to be a little rough and let him run it instead of you run it. Whatever it might be, but just to pause and to recognize the gift and the power of prayer in our life. Talk about our need to, and this morning I want to finish this series off and talk about our need to pause through worship to pause through worship. And so I want to challenge you to do a little I spy with my little eye at home before your tree, you know, over this Christmas time to just turn the lights out, to sit before the tree, but maybe not specifically to play I spy with my little eye. But I want you to gaze upon that tree, be still, and I want you to be reminded of who hung on the tree for you of who hung on the tree for you. Because Christmas is the beautiful season where we have the beautiful tree. But the tree changes by the time we get to Easter and it becomes ugly and brutal. And it's where our Lord and Savior Jesus is nailed for our sins so that we can be forgiven and walk in a right relationship with God in this life and for the next for eternity. And so I want to encourage you to pause and to worship, to gaze upon your, the tree, but then to look past that to the one who hung on the tree for you and for me. The word worship means this, to fall down before or bow down before, to give reverence and adoration to something or someone. And so I want to challenge your thinking here this morning, and I want to have us wrestle with three truths about our life and about worship in our lives. And the first truth is this. We all pause and worship something. We all pause and worship something. Timothy Keller tweeted, we all worship something, religious or non-religious. David Foster Wallace was an American writer and university instructor in the disciplines of English and creative writing. His novel, Infinite Jest, was listed by Time Magazine as one of the 100 best English language novels. Super long. David wasn't a believer in Jesus, but stated this about worship. Here's something else that's weird but true. In the day-to-day trenches of adult life, there's actually no such thing as atheism. There's no such thing as not worshiping. Everybody worships. The only choice we get is what to worship. Robert Woods, another author and non-believer in Jesus, in his unpublished book, Being Human, discusses the different areas of our intrinsic human feelings. One type, which he calls religious feelings, are the feelings that we have in reference to the whole, the human desire to turn towards something eternal or something that's all-encompassing. 
he states this. Humans seem to know that there's something that they are supposed to be adoring, and even on a deeper level, worshiping. But what that thing or being consists of is fraught with confusion. In their eagerness to worship something, people may choose the wrong idea, wrong people, or wrong thing. And as a result, waste their adoration on something that is unworthy. Perhaps part of our human quest is searching for what is worthy of our utmost devotion. You know, I wanted to use these two quotes because I found it interesting that two men who don't believe in Jesus still recognize that intrinsically in their being, they have this need, this propensity to worship something or someone. It's there, and they acknowledge it. They're wrestling with it. Well, we as Christ followers have come to the conclusion that what we are to worship is ultimately Jesus. What we are to adore is him. We see in God's word in the Old Testament when God saved the Israelites out of Egypt, he gives them this command in Deuteronomy 5. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on earth beneath or in the waters below. I mean, why did he add that second line in there after he said, you shall have no other gods before me? Why didn't he just say, hey, that's it? He added the second line because he knows that we are created in his image and he's a creative God and he has created much that is very creative and we are creative and we create much and it's shiny and it's adoring and and we end up worshiping what we've created. And he says, no, no, listen, remember, I'm supposed to be on the top, number one. We get this same picture from the Apostle Paul in Colossians chapter 1, verse 16 in the New Testament where he says this, for in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers, rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and ultimately for him. Everything is to bring him worship, all things. And so it's important that we pause so that we recognize what ultimately are we worshiping because the truth is we all worship something or someone. The second truth about our life and worship is this. When we pause through worship, our heart is realigned to Jesus. When we pause and we worship and we, we are still and we fix our eyes on Jesus, our heart is realigned to him. You know what it's like to drive an unaligned vehicle, right? It's always pulling to one side or to the other, right? Why is that? Because it's gone through all kinds of potholes over rough terrain over a period of time or the tires wear differently and they're worn out. But that's a picture of our life. We, we get unaligned in our relationship with Jesus when we go through rough patches of our life where we hit major potholes or we're just tired and worn out. We tend to step aside and we forget to come before him. And we're 
out of alignment. But when we pause and when we stop, when we put our life in park and we fix our eyes on him, our life becomes realigned to him. And three things take place. A, it reminds us we are not God. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He is the creator. Genesis 1.26, then God said, let us make mankind in our image. Our challenge is we get that turned around. We rewrite that verse. Let's create God in our image. And we reverse it. It's like each one of us going into Culver's after service today and ordering our lunch and then ordering up our hot fudge sundae. And we each make it a little different, right? Well, I'm going to have a little, you know, fudge on that. I'm going to have some nuts on that. I'm going to have a little uh, cream to mint on that piece and put a little marshmallow flavor and, you know, all that stuff. And, but somebody else says, hey, I just want it plain, you know, or says, hey, I just want caramel on that and cashews and that. We all create our own God like we create our own ice cream sundae. And we define who God is in our life. But yet, when we pause and we fix our eyes on him, when we're still, he speaks over us. And we get it once again that, oh yeah, we're not God. He created everything. He created me. That's right. Carla Thomas responded to Timothy Keller's tweet with her own tweet. Keller said what? We all worship something, religious or non-religious. She responded and said, two choices, God or not God. Those are our two choices. For We're going to worship us, right? When we pause and we fix our eyes on Jesus, we're still, he reminds us that he is God and we are not. B, it reminds us other stuff is not God. Exodus 23, you shall have no other gods before me. It reminds us that our stuff ultimately will not satisfy us, will not give us ultimate peace or joy. Fun at times, but not ultimate peace, security, and joy. And so when we pause and we fix our eyes on Jesus, it allows Jesus to say, hey, listen, take your stuff off the throne of your heart and put me back there because that comes and goes. Thieves break in and steal. Rust destroys it. But I am the same today, yesterday, and forever. Keep me on the throne of your heart. So it reminds us we are not God. It reminds us other stuff is not God. And then see, it remains our heart anchored to God. It remains our heart anchored to God. What is your heart anchored to? I remember this past summer, we were up in Cross Lake vacationing, and we brought our ski boat up to tool around in in that, and we love to go up and pull into areas where there's like some sandbars or it's sort of shallow there, two to three feet, and you can jump out and float around, and you can throw the football and just have a good time and just hang out in the water. There and I remember pulling up and I didn't have an anchor in the boat. I'm like, why are they anchored? And I think I must have taken it out at home, using it for something else or a different boat or whatever. And I'm like, ah, geez, you know. And and I'm like, well, you guys go ahead, you guys float on the raft and that. I'll hold the boat. 
You know, so here I'm standing out in the water and I'm holding the boat, you know, and there's people anchored all around us just having a great time, just, you know, lounging in the boat and all that stuff. And I'm sure they're like, you know, look at this idiot. You know, he's like trying to, because boats are going by and the waves and all that stuff. And, but I'm like, that's such a picture of our lives. We're not anchored to Jesus. You know, a lot of times we tie our hearts off, off to something else. But the waves are constantly throwing us right and left. After not long, the family realized this ain't working. You know, we can't relax because you're not relaxed and you're fighting the boat. And that, let's just get out of here. But then I went and we purchased an anchor. And the next day, hey, we threw it out there and I was just floating on the rail. You know, just peace, peace. That's what takes place when we're still and we're reminded hey, make sure you're anchored off to Jesus. Remain anchored to him. He's the ultimate one who provides peace, even in the waves of life, joy, deep joy. And so when we pause and we worship him, we fix our eyes on him, whether it's coming weekly as we worship here, whether it's individually as we meet with him in the morning, throughout our day as we think of him, We recognize we're not God, our stuff isn't God, and that we remain anchored to him. Because when it comes to our life and worship, we all worship something or someone. When we pause and fix our eyes on Jesus, our hearts are realigned to him. And then the third truth about life and worship is this. We all perceive worship as an event, not our lives. We all perceive worship as an event, not our lives. You see, majority of us live our lives like egg carton living, right? We have all these compartments. We compartmentalize our lives like these eggs in each little area. And we go from one area of our life to the next area of our life, then we turn the last area off, we just did, and then we go to this next area. So we, we go to work, and then we turn work off, and we go home, we go, you got family and that, but then when we go out and do our own recreation, we turn family off, and then, you know, we got our friends, we go do our friend thing, and then we come here on Sunday church thing, but when we leave here, we're like, okay, put that in, you know, our faith, you know, our, you know, that kind of thing's done, and that health, and went to the gym, <laughs> done that, I'm done, glad that's done, over with, and that kind of stuff, not going to think about health or all that kind of stuff. So we got our home life, you know, hey, you know, I left the morning, home there, now I'm going to get on with the rest of my life here. Finances, uh, we categorize that. Education, huh? all you kids right now are just like, oh, sweet, got two weeks off? Yeah, you know, it's that kind of thing. Not even gonna think about it, doesn't matter. Uh, you know, our kids, how we parent, that kind of stuff. Uh, we act differently in different places with different people, don't we? We categorize that, okay, well, I better act different over here now I'm walking in the church. <laughs> okay, everybody, right? You know how we do that, right? I mean, we... Car- compartmentalize our lives, what we, like we do when we pick up a carton of eggs. That's what it looks like. But think of this. Our original purpose, our being created, is ultimately to worship him across the board. Too often, worship is put into a box or one of the compartments of the egg carton. Many Christians feel that they have completed their worship for the week by attending Sunday worship. 
But if your worship never stops, if we are always worshiping, if we are continually worshiping, then we're worshiping someone or something, right? So who or what is receiving our adoration or our reverence, our worship, Monday through Saturday? You see, when it comes to our lives on a daily basis, our work is worship. Our family is worship. Our recreation is worship unto God. Our friends and how we engage and interact, take care of one another is worship. Our faith, trust in Jesus is worship. Our health, how we take care of our bodies, our minds is worship. Our home, how we run our home is worship. Our finances, recognizing that, hey, we're just stewards. He owns it all. How are we handling all of that is worship. Our education, how are we at school? What are we like to our peers, to our teachers? What are we like to our students is worship. Our kids, how we train up our kids is all worship, right? Our future, what we think, what we desire is all worship. And our character, who we are here and who we are there is all Worship unto him. It's all mixed together. It's scrambled eggs. It's all worship. Worship doesn't stop when we drive off the property here and then we just go on to the next thing. Worship is in everything we do. And so as you go and you do your work, Recognize that God loves how you work and it brings worship and glory to him. Everything, 1 Corinthians 10.31 says this. Whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, down to the minutia, right? Whether you eat or drink, do all to the glory of God. It's all worship. Everything. And so when we pause through worship, our hearts, to recognize that he is God, we are not. That stuff is not God in our life. Doesn't cut it. It allows us to remain anchored to him. And it's a reminder to us as we come before him daily and fix our eyes on him, that everything we do, he enjoys. He wants it to be worship unto him. And so this morning, I just encourage you to worship him as you pause over Christmas, turn the lights off, look at the tree and be reminded of who hung on the tree for you and I so that we can have eternal life for this life and the next. And before we go this morning, I want you to consider an area of your life that you have yet maybe considered or handed over as worship unto him. And there's this list again on the screen. And on your chair next to you, there's a gift label. And I want you to 
take that gift label and the Arbor Bill or who, and I want you to say to Jesus right on there from Barb or Bill or whoever. And then just maybe pick one of these areas that, man, I just, I don't know, never realized that my work was like actually worship, that he really cared how I do my work. Or education or character, whatever it might be, your health and how you care for yourself. And just write it down. And then I want you at some point to just go out to your right and bring it up as a gift to Jesus and just put it in the gift box. And then just come back and the worship team's gonna close us off in a song. But give an area of your life over to him and say, Jesus, I am going to bring you worship in this area of my life where I've never thought of doing it before. Let's pray. Father God, thank you that you are not a God of distance, but you are a God who is near. Emmanuel, God with us. That you love us, that you set your son to reflect you and be among us. And that, Lord, every area of our life is worship unto you. And so may we recognize that and see that and enjoy that. And this Christmas, be reminded that the greatest gift that we can give to you is just to be with you and to worship and to enjoy you. So I pray your blessing and favor over each one here, over their Christmas time, in your holy name, amen.